Genesis chapter 6 and verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days. And as I say, my trip to Scotland, this is the these are the words, this is the verse, the phrase that came to my mind as I was walking from uh, place to place and from monument to monument and seeing the evidence of these gigantic uh, men and women in the faith. And there were giants in those days in that place. These are men that have shaped not only their own country, but they have shaped the world in many ways. Their influence is felt even to this day. And this was in a time when the Roman Catholic Church had an impossible stranglehold on countries, nations, religious affairs. They were the superpower of their day. It was impossible, humanly speaking. And yet, you have individuals like John Knox, who was not a perfect man, but he was a man that God used and was filled with the Spirit of God, without a doubt. So we were in St. Andrews there, which is known today for its golf, It's a very beautiful uh, city, by the way. Very beautiful. Lots and lots of history. But uh, you see the ruins there of St. Andrew's Cathedral, which is, you can see the size of it, even though it's all just in ruins. Uh, But you can see the size of it because you can see where the walls were, the shape of it. And it's massive. Uh, This was a massive building, over a hundred years in the making. And this would have been a pilgrimage destination for Catholics back in the day. And I think it was like the largest building in Scotland for many years. Maybe in, in much of Europe, I'm not sure. But it was a massive building. But it lay there in ruins and so we're told that what happened was that John Knox was in town preaching at Trinity Church, basically just down the road. You can walk from that cathedral to Trinity Church. And the little inscription on the plaque said he preached such a fiery sermon that the, the people in the town were stirred up to essentially dismantle the cathedral. Um, I'm sure it happened over a period of time, and I'm sure it wasn't all happy news. Like There was probably some uh, tares among the wheat, that type of thing going on there, but they attribute what happened to that cathedral to the fiery preaching of John Knox. And really, one sermon in particular, I would have loved to have heard that sermon as I was thinking about that. What did he preach that in that basically undid a hundred years of construction? 
It's incredible. The power, I was thinking the power of a single sermon and thinking about what he must have preached. But then you move on from that and you go to the preaching brays of Cambus Lang. Cambus Lang is is uh, an area there uh, just in Glasgow, another part of Scotland. And this is where Whitfield was. So Whitfield was here. As I'm standing there, I'm thinking, this is where Whitfield was. And he was preaching in the open air in what they called the preaching braise. And I asked the lady that was there, what, what is a bray? And she said, well, it just means hills, along the hillside. And so there we were outside, and you could see sort of a natural amphitheater. It's all sort of covered with trees now, but you can definitely see a big natural amphitheater. And there he was, reportedly preaching to upwards of 30,000 people in the open air, unamplified. And they saw a great revival. It's called the Campus Lang Revival. You can read about it. Uh, but that was there. You had Whitfield. And then you had, of course, the Lewis Revival. And we talked a lot about that. Won't go over that ground again. But you have a group of praying individuals and started out with a few old women that had a burden, uh, a real heartfelt desperation burden. There was not a single young person in their church. And so they, they, they request that the church leadership begin prayer meetings for an outpouring of the Spirit. And the, the minister at the time would have been uh, Mr. Mackay. And so the rest is history, as we all know. This is the land of revivals, the land of giants. And it's a fascination to me. It was wonderful. And I'm sure any of you would have enjoyed the same. But what I was thinking in particular was that these men left behind systems. They left behind documents. They left behind structures to help the next generations, whether they be catechisms, whether they be documents, governing documents, whether they be uh, confessions uh, for for the church, uh, procedures, process, all of that. And so you see the evidence of all these churches around there today, and yet you see so much deadness. You see so much liberalism and apostasy and corruption. Even though these churches, these systems were were instituted by godly men, and they were handed down, but today they're in ruins. And so that's why I was thinking, you know, when I mentioned St. Andrews, it would have been interesting to hear his sermon. But as I was thinking some more about that, I don't think it really is about the words that he used to construct his message. 
as if there was some magical formula in the way he crafted his words that made the difference. Or in the systems that these men left behind, sometimes we, we were trying to find the best, um, if I can just use that word system, I, I can't think of a better word than that, the best system that we can wrap our, our arms around and then the Lord will bless us. And it could be in, in the kind of church government, go, uh, governance. It could be in um, the confessions that we use. And all these things are important. And I wouldn't for a moment minimize the importance of them. But the Lord seems to be pleased to raise up individuals in unexpected places. You know, George Whitfield was an Anglican. He was an Anglican. And when he was approached by the Erskine brothers to leave the Anglican church, he he actually refused to do that. Um, and then, according to history, I don't know all what I read is true, but according to history, the Erskine brothers were very critical of him uh, after that point. Um, and you have, even in the case of the Isle of Lewis, uh, th- that that church is was a Church of Scotland church, and you you see things like this as you uncover more and more and read more and more of of church history, and it is it is very enlightening to me personally, and I'm still wrestling through a lot of it, but. All that to say that what it appears to me to be the important thing is to have men and women, is not to have, for example, that sermon re-aired. So if we were able to capture that sermon and somehow that sermon just re-aired would do the trick. The important thing is to have men and women that are filled with the Spirit of God for their generation filled with the Spirit of God. And the Lord will use them, imperfect as they may be. That quote by Robert Murray McShane, another giant in the land of Scotland. I did not get a chance to go to Dundee, but that quote by Robert Murray McShane, which is very helpful, it says, It is not great talents God blesses, so much as great likeness to Jesus Christ. A holy minister is a powerful weapon in the hand of God. A holy minister. Um, Many of you know my great appreciation and love for Dr. Clarence Sexton, and he actually said something very similar in a sermon that I extracted some time ago. I'll play it for you right now uh, to refresh your memory, and then we'll get down to prayer. But this is just about a 20-second clip. But in this most personal of all Paul's epistles, in this book of 2 Corinthians, it's not about constructing the church. It's about the suffering of God's man and how God puts his man together in a way that brings glory to the Lord. 
most of us are so consumed with having the right message. But God's desire is for us to be the right messengers. And when we're the right messengers, God will give us the right message. And the vessel that he shapes in that way will be one that he gets great glory from. That's it. It's, it doesn't sound right on the surface, what he says about most of us are just concerned about the message, as if that's to minimize the message. He's not, he's not saying that. But God is interested in the messenger, the person bringing the message. That's you and me, the vessel. And I believe that sometimes we can put a lot of emphasis on these, on, on, on the things that are important for sure, on getting all those things right. And we forget the fact that God uses people and He uses Spirit-filled people. And He may do it in a very imperfect environment, but He is going to use people. Um, I hope you understand the spirit of what I'm trying to say. And I'm not um, saying anything incorrectly. But I want to be used of the Lord. I know you do too. We need to have the infilling of God's Spirit 